Hey everyone, welcome back to another uh, roundtable, I guess, for four guys in a comic. Later on, we're going to have some uh, good stuff with an interview. But right now, you know, technically, us and the uh, other guys, uh, uh, Nova, say hey. Hello. All right, go ahead, say hey, Tap. Hello. And then none other than the Red Skull. Greetings and salutations, their podcast listeners. Hey, it's the four guys. Speaking of <laughs> greetings and salutations, I just watched uh, Heather's last night with Christian Slater. Okay, you know, I've always been told to watch that movie, but I've never watched it. Everyone and well, their mom has told me. To it's good, it but that's how he greets out. people. Every time like they come up to me, he's like, greetings and salutations. It's such a nice way to greet people. Mm-hmm. That with a gentle hug. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it seems like it's been a while since we've seen each other because of all the holidays and everything else. I mean, we've been kind of uh, distant, but uh, welcome to a uh, second week of a new year, right? Woo, 2017. Yeah, buddy. So, what have been some of the things you guys been reading over the past few weeks and the holidays and everything? Is there anything we've missed lately that you just thought of and you want to bring up? Uh, looking at you, Red Skull, we want him to go first, because I know you don't get much time to read anymore. Oh, tell me about it. But I've, I've been reading some Sergeant Rock. You know, I've, I've uh, got a little, made a little DC in these days. I know that's going to make a couple people uh, excited. <laughs> but uh, as far as Image, you know, we got a bunch of stuff out with Image lately that uh, needs to be mentioned. Um one of them being Loose Ends, number one. Have you guys familiar with that one? No, who's it by? No. Uh, I can't remember who that is by off the top of my head. Um, basically, it's a four-issue uh, southern crime romance uh, comic brought out um, by Image. And it is actually going off pretty well. And I want to say it went into a second printing already. It's got uh, a lot of stuff going on with it. What made you want to pick it up? Uh, the cover actually just look at the cover you know it's uh, the cover was like an old diner um, basically the perspective is the driver inside the car looking through the windshield with a gal that you know has some loose ends <laughs> to put it mildly yeah Ooh. I don't know if I want to meet a gal with loose ends <laughs> <laughs> so that one looks like it's going to be interesting it looks like it's got a lot of stuff coming up um, they've also announced, what is it, Kid Savage. Uh, I believe that's with uh, Joe Kelly. And that's going to be a free comic day special. And it actually looks like it's going to be something really, really worthwhile, something new that's going to be out that uh, people need to be picking up and reading. Uh, that comes out, like I said, on free comic day, book day the first Saturday in May. And it's going to be the kickoff to a new series to be uh, starting out. Uh, what else? Um, Saga. Saga number 41 went into a second printing um, because of a printer error. Yeah, you guys familiar that with that one? Yeah. And I, I'll be honest, I have 41. I haven't checked to see if I have the printing error or not. I'm pretty sure I do because I got it when it um, came out. But basically it was a problem with the um, color. So the question is, is since they pulled those off the shelves and put it back out, uh, will that original air be worth some money or not? Nova, are you still reading Saga? Um, I will be when the second deluxe edition comes out, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, Saga is one you just can't put down and forget about reading. Yeah, it's, it's no problem for me. It's such a great story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you no, know no, what no, I mean. No, I mean no, I'm not no, saying to, to quit no, it. No. You can't quit Saga. Yeah. Um, what else came out recently? Oh, Reborn. Uh, I think that was... I think actually it's now in... Uh, look at my notes here. Reborn. Okay, issue one went into fourth printing. Issue two went into third. Issue three went in second. And issue four will most likely go into a uh, second printing as well. That I haven't read it yet. Uh, it's one of those things that's just on my to-do list. But with all the printings it's going into, it's obviously something that's uh, worthwhile to be looking into. Very cool. So, uh, have you guys uh, picked that up at all yet? To, to take no, a look but I've, at? I've got the no. hardcover pre-ordered. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, did of you? Of course. Oh, as well as the AD After Death one. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I've taken care of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Southern Bastards is that one? Uh, the, is that in the there's hardcover? There's only yet? like the first eight issues in one, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, is that it? Uh, I thought they had them all like in small little volumes. Or no, I'm thinking of Scalped. Yeah. Never mind. I'm thinking of Scalped. Now, speaking of Southern Bastards, issue number ten. Are you guys familiar with the charity of, uh, fundraiser? Yeah, it was that the, that the that. lawyer one, I think. Yeah, maybe wrong. Yeah, Comic Legal Defense. Yeah, so they raised eighteen thousand dollars for the victims of the Emmanuel African oh, Methodist Episcopal Church shooting in yeah, yeah. Uh, South Carolina. So that was pretty cool of them to be able to do that and uh, raise some money for that. Uh, so hats off to Image for doing that. Um, gosh, what else? Curse words. That's something else I want to read. I just haven't gotten to it yet. You know, a little story about a wizard that appears in New York City, uh, casting spells and things like that. So I'm kind of curious. I kind of always like the magical aspect of things. And um, what can I say? It looks like it's good. Uh, have you guys, are you guys familiar with it at all? I am not. No. Yeah. Well, the cover basically shows him whizzing electricity <laughs> onto a wizard's costume. <laughs> so, yes. Mm. So it looks like it has kind of a uh, mm. Scotty Young feel to it, if if you know what I'm saying. So we shall see how Sounds that one Sounds super cool. Out. So, Nova. Uh, yes. What yes, are sir? you read? What have you been reading? What are you into right now? I'm all over the map, and I guess T- Tap and I can sort of coordinate this one because he's he's been picking up a lot of stuff, and a lot of it's Grant Morrison, and I'm just like, oh. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I'm going to go back and reread that. Animal Man? Yeah, I'm going to reread it. Stuff like that. So I've been rereading <laughs> a lot of Grant Morrison stuff, um, which I guess Tap can also yes. talk about now. You may as well. Yeah, no, I've been, uh, thanks to Nova here, always talking about Mr. Morrison. I was like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna jump in and read a little bit of Morrison just see what I like. And uh, I think, what did I start off? Well, we've been talking Animal Man for a while. That that one I've been yeah. trying to get that omnibus for forever, and it was sort of my personal white whale, and I could never get it due to unforeseen circumstances. And then finally I was able to pick it up. It's a beat-up copy, but I was able to get it for free. Um, so I'm waiting on that to get here. So in the meantime, I started reading other Grant Morrison stuff, uh, like All-Star Superman. I read a little bit of New X-Men, which I'm waiting on that one to get here as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what else was I reading? Multiversity. Uh, I don't know. I've been on a huge Morrison kick lately. I've been reading a lot of a lot of different Grant Morrison stuff, and I can definitely understand why Nova is in Joe love Parker with this man. Uh, 
Joe the Barbarian. Uh, what was that? I know you read that one. Yes, I read Joe the Barbarian, the one that Novell told us to read like six <laughs> months ago. Thanks, guys. About the kid who's diabetic and he's like going to his, he's just trying to make it to his kitchen. And uh, God damn, man, that one was, that was something else. First of all, like you said, who the hell could ever think of writing yeah. something like that? Uh, but second of all, just the uh, the the heartfelt. It's like with the letter at the end with his dad. I mean, the whole thing. It was just it was incredible. You know, uh, when really, you describe really well that, it kind of reminds me of something like the uh, the Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. I don't know if you ever read that, um, but it is a book where uh, it's based like I guess in the thirties or. 40s i guess and it was franz kafka was in exile in siberia but escaped siberia to like kazakhstan or somewhere near the middle east and um he ended up writing this book about a boy who was basically providing for his family i guess he was a man but it was providing for his family and like the breadwinner and then one day he woke up and he was a cockroach like he was a human-sized cockroach and he couldn't like he couldn't provide for himself basically so then he had to rely on his family to feed him and everything and then his family basically neglected him and he one day went out to go to the kitchen to try and get his own food when his dad saw him and freaked out because he was out of his room threw an apple at him and killed him (laughs) and they went on with their lives like nothing happened but it's weird to see how you're the person they rely on to we don't care about you because you can't do anything for us. I guess I can see the comparison. <laughs> it's a big, it's like a, seems like a rusty, diabetic seems like child a rusty, trying to get a soda because yeah. he's going into, uh, what is it? Hypoglycemic uh, shock gl- or something, yeah. That's it, hypoglycemic yeah. shock. And Rusty's comparing him to a human-sized cockroach yeah, getting an apple Rusty truck. just wanted to show off how well-read he is. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It reminds me of like the same idea where he's trying to provide for himself, but he's kind of being yeah, yeah. pushed down in a way. It's different metaphors for it. So yeah, fair enough. It's in the same short box, along with uh, yeah. titles with carnies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I also got around to reading my Absolute Preacher uh, Volume One. Knocked that one out of the park. And holy crap, Nova's been saying it for since I've known him, but absolute editions are the way to go if you are a physical hardcover reader. What's the difference? It's just bar none. They're huge. They're like 16 inches tall rather than like the standard 10 or 11. Um, The pages are a little bit thicker. Uh, They're kind of glossier. They feel nice in your hand. And the book is just, it's massive, man. And like you pick it up and you read it and it's just like big oversized pages with incredible artwork by Steve Dillon and, and the Absolute Preacher series. It, oh, I couldn't put the book down. Once I got through it, I was like, because volume two doesn't come yeah. out until May. So Preacher. I'm now waiting Preacher's until May. Preacher's extra special, too, because it's like imitation leather bound kind of thing. So Yes, it's, it's a gorgeous, yeah, it's really nice. absolutely gorgeous book. So absolute editions, by far, way to go if you're if you're collecting anything DC anyway. Speaking of DC, I got to ask you, DC guys, there's two series that I've been kind of curious on. One is, uh, what was it? Um, he Man. Okay. I'm loving it. It's so yes. good. How, yeah, I wanted to know how is that? If you are a child of the 80s, you are going to love it. Um, I love the Thundercats. I always hated He Man. So for uh, me, it's kind of a. Yeah, so I'm, no, that's why it's, I'm kind of curious. It's really good. It's such a super, super fun crossover. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Uh, you got Freddie Williams doing the artwork as well. 
and his artwork on like when he draws like humans it's sometimes they're a little bit over it's a little bit bigger like the scale like they tend to have like bigger arms and legs and things but like when he does um like animal characters like when he did like the batman ninja turtle crossover for instance Mm -hmm. batman kind of looked a little wonky at times but the ninja turtles looked off the hook the entire time same thing with this sometimes he-man and stuff can look a little whatever but like his skeletor his uh Mm -hmm. uh lion-o panthor all those guys look incredible absolutely freaking incredible oh it looks amazing oh cool it's so good i'm i'm loving the hell out of this book I don't know if Nova's even reading it because he's like, eh, whatever. I'm more of a power. No, I'm not a power. <laughs> I'm a teenage mutant ninja turtles guy. Well, then maybe Nova can answer my next question. I want to know how the Flintstone series is running. Okay, I'm gonna say this. I haven't read the Flintstone series, but a, there's a bunch of like, I guess if you want to call them millennials, uh, writing articles about um, how it's like a giant representation of the modern times, like based. But it's in Stone Age, you know, obviously. But it's like a good representation of, of what's going on in modern times through the. So Wilma has a stone cell phone. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard a lot of like mixed reviews on it. Um, unfortunately, we started getting them sent to us. Um, like three issues in is when we started receiving review files mm-hmm. for it. So I missed the initial first few, so I kind of I haven't had a chance. But I am interested in that one. And um, yeah. what was the other one? The, not the Special Olympics. Uh, wacky Races. A wacky Races. Oh, yeah. Um, that okay. one I really liked. Yeah, the Wacky Races. There was an issue of DC that came out recently, and it was like a Hanna-Barbera thing, but it had Space Ghost on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff lately. Yeah, and I saw this cover at the shop on Wednesday, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I should get it, you know? And um, I didn't end up getting it, but I'm still really curious as to what it is, though. Like, if it's a Space Ghost comic, I would probably read a Space Ghost comic. I think Future Quest had Space Ghost in it. That's Uh, what it was. It was Future Quest. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and that's the one with Johnny Quest and uh, Space Ghost and... Like well, that one supposedly got yeah. pretty good reviews too. I don't know. I haven't had, really had a chance to read any of the Hanna Barbera. Cool, um, if they do ever release a Jetsons one, though, I'm a huge really? Jetsons fan. Yeah. So if they ever release Jetsons, uh, I'm all over yeah, it. Yeah, they're which would be cool because then they can do a Jetsons Flintstones crossover. Yeah. Like what's they did in the what's cool is they're doing a they're doing a Booster Gold Flintstones annual crossover, which what? Uh, <laughs> oh, that <laughs> sounds interesting. The other one I really liked too was, um, and some that DC's doing that's not part of like the DC universe. Um, Tim Seeley is actually writing the Lost Boys, yeah. and uh, issue four is coming out this. Well, by the time you guys hear this, it's out, um, and it is absolutely incredible. I love. I've read all four issues. I'm a big fan of the Lost Boys. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of a a sequel to what mm-hmm. happened. Um, in the first movie and uh believe it or not but the true believer the saxophone player makes an appearance as a vampire yeah. hunter. i've uh, i've heard that because um on my breaks at work i go and read uh famous monsters magazine sometime and they had a best of mm-hmm. like horror comic for the month and lost boys was the comic and it was 
Yeah, it's it fantastic. Was, they were talking about how it was a great throwback to it. And even though there's been sequels, this feels like the true sequel kind of thing. And yep. Um, yep. it mentioned this. It mentioned that dude in there. The yeah. true believer. Yeah, they, they show him uh, like um, Corey. I can't remember his name. And there was Sam in the movie. He goes to grab him in the comic, and he goes, "Oh, you're so oily," because you know how he always looks super like baby oiled and stuff in the movie while he's playing. Well, he like grabbed me. He's like, "Oh, you're so oily." Well, it turns out the reason why he's so oily is because it's holy oil. Oh. <laughs> so vampires can't <laughs> touch him. <laughs> That's cool. It's awesome. It's great. It's super funny. Tim Seeley is. He's another writer that I absolutely love. So, yeah, go check very that out. Cool, very cool. So, we've all talked about now all the things that uh, we've read and stuff, except for me. Really, I'll just give you all a quick, like, a quick list. I don't even have to go into it. I've been reading original Frank Miller Daredevil. I've been reading, uh, because I've never read it before, I've been reading Earth X, which is like knockoff Kingdom Come by Marvel. It's Alex Ross, though, so it's really good. Um, I've been reading Annihilation still, which I still haven't gotten through all the way, and I know a bunch of people are like, come on now. Cough, cough, Dante. Uh, and I've also, I finally got my last issue of Tales from the Dark Side by Joe Hill, and um, I've mm. been looking for this thing, and it finally came out, or I guess it's been out, and I got a copy finally, woo! And that was a pretty cool ending to this four-part. Um, I know y'all don't get to hear me read. Uh, I don't read many indie titles, so that was yeah. cool. Um, and then, um, you know, my regular stuff for the week. Uh, I had We had Gamora, Thanos. We've had all kinds of things over the past few weeks that I've just been catching up on. And I even started the Fantastic Four run for you, uh, Tap and Nova. Um, Jonathan Hickman. It's good. Shit. Yeah, the, the Hickman, Hickman run. run. So I started yeah, that. I'm really good. Into that. And uh, I'm still left off though on something I can't get past, and I don't know why I don't want to go back to. But uh, Dark Knight, uh, Batman, the first issue, Frank Miller stuff. I I haven't gotten past. For, I've read the first issue. I just haven't wanted to go back and read the second one. Really, I don't know why. Are you talking about? D- are you talking about DK three no, original Dark Knight Returns? Dark Knight Returns. Mm, it's, You're, it's very typical for you to start something and never end up finishing it. I know, right? <laughs> Invincible. <laughs> but that was my quick list. Now, we're going to go into the second part of the podcast now of our roundtable. And this is actually going to involve all three of you working together. Okay? Oh, so okay. If, uh, let me pull out the timer here. But you're going to have about i'd say a minute okay to figure out what character in marvel i'm talking about okay so for christmas i got a marvel encyclopedia okay Mm, that's gotta be updated like every three months right i know right it feels like (laughs) i found out this is from 2015 actually Ooh. okay yeah right we don't have the whole secret wars thing in there and everything else so, so the hulk is still bruce banner um yes yes okay. we saw bruce Good. banner hulk. okay so y'all maybe have a chance here guys sure i'm not gonna sit there and just pull some rando <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. on you okay but i'm gonna make this even better for y'all okay i'm just gonna open the book at random pages okay 
And so, who knows? That you've previously bookmarked. No, no, you can look at it right now. There is no bookmarks. There's no page. Warlock, Thanos. Nothing. I promise you. It'll be completely i may not even know who the character is we'll see okay. i'm just gonna pick a random one right. off the page okay bring it on so guys are y'all ready okay Let's do it. so let me pull out the timer here i got it set for we're gonna have it set for one minute let me open the page to uh what we're getting to and then we will start i will stop the timer at the end of everything so i can open up to a new page all right guys let's open up Dang, guys. Okay. Y'all got this. I think y'all got this, okay? I have faith in y'all. Y'all have a minute All to right. discuss it, okay? So, I'm going to read you this out loud and just a few little simple things about them, and then I'm going to start the timer. So, this group consisted of, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven members, okay? I'm not even started yet. <laughs> Y'all are guessing I'm not even started, okay? Their, de Excalibur their debut was in 1969, okay? Avengers. Okay. Um, they don't really have a base, and they don't really have, like, an Earth team, okay? So, we'll Guardians leave it at that. Dang, y'all, I didn't even get to start the dang timer, and y'all got it. Y'all got the first point. Base. Well. Oh. Yeah. You, you, you put that in the year 1960. There's no, really no cosmic teams there's in a Marvel, bunch, except there's for a Guardians. Few. There's a, quite a few, guys. Okay. Of yes. teams? Sure. I can name three. Okay, right now. You have the Exterminators. Uh, you have uh, Ultimates. And you have... Uh, I guess the, I thought the Ultimates were were like the ultimate like they were like the Avengers but of the Ultimate no, Universe. The ultimates. Anymore. They are like the Space Avengers. And you have the Star Jammers. I guess you could also say <laughs> Nova Nova Prime Nova the Nova Core. Yeah, right. Well y'all got the first one before I even started the timer, okay? Good. I'm gonna alright, so second one now. I just opened to a new page, okay? This one y'all aren't gonna probably get. I don't think you're gonna get it, okay? <laughs> Let's put it this way. I'm starting the timer now. Okay. Is, is First appearance was in Fantastic Four. Okay. He's a trickster. Okay. Um, he's popped up in Silver Surfer. He's popped up in Fantastic Four. Um, he is a pop-up kind of character. Okay. Um, his first debut was in 1963. 1963. Mole Man. Nope. He's dealt with Galactus. Is it that uh, that green guy? Impossible Man? Dang, Nova got it. Yeah, you did it, Nova! <laughs> as soon as he said Silver Surfer, that's the only time I've ever seen him. He's a little green guy that changes shape yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. That yeah, looks like Martian Manhunter, sort of. Yeah. He, uh, he plays jokes on me. He's like... He, I don't know. Mixled plug sticks. Like, I guess it would be like a slapstick or a Deadpool in uh, space, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the right. timer. Y'all beat the timer. All right. Bring on the next so, one. Next character. Let me flop to a page here. 
Okay, that is not the right thing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> what kind of page was that? That was my porn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so this character is a mutant. Okay. Um, it is a girl. Okay. She was a part of a club. Emma Frost. Hellfire Club. Emma Frost. There you go, Tap. <laughs> well, me and Nova yeah. both said it, I think, at the same time. I'm going to have to make this harder on y'all. I don't even get to start the thing. Well, as soon as you said she's a part yeah. of a club, I'm like, what other club is there other than I the Hellfire know, Club? Something, something club. Marvel's got other clubs, I hope. If someone's got a club out there that I didn't name, that you know besides the Hellfire Club in Marvel, please comment and let us know on Facebook or message us, please. Twitter, whatever. All right, so we're moving on to the next one, okay? Let's see here. Give it a few flips so I get to another part. All right. So, after Tap finishes giggling. Um, <laughs> I'm not giggling, it was Nova. <laughs> okay. This character uh, trained another character. Okay. Batman. Okay. Narrows it down. <laughs> Sticks. What'd you say? Sticks. Stick. It is stick. Wow. Ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I thought y'all didn't know that much about Marvel. I'm going to have to pick like the most obscure character on the page. <laughs> I think Impossible Man was pretty fucking obscure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, y'all are killing me. All right. Oh, that one's way too easy. I can't even give you all that one. Okay. Okay. This character debuted in Incredible Hulk, okay, in 1969. He is a mutant of all things, okay? He is from the Florida Everglades. This isn't really that obscure. I'm going to tell you all right now. Um, after M Day, he retained his powers. Like North Star? Nope. Nope. Sauron? Y'all got. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Thing. We got to start this timer, and y'all have to agree on one answer. That's the thing. Oh, I'm going to start that right now. Okay? So, y'all have one minute starting now to agree on one answer <laughs> right. and come up with one cumulative answer. A Florida mutant. Who could it be? Florida Everglades. That makes me think Swamp Thingy, but Swamp Thing's DC, so then that makes me think Man Thing. I don't know. I don't know that much about Man Thing, unfortunately. Um, Gambit? No, he's not. Never mind. What am I saying? No, and, and he wouldn't have been introduced in 69. He would have been introduced way later. Hmm. You got 30 seconds. 69, Incredible Hulk. I think you finally stumped us, it's Rusty. A, this is not that it, hard. This uh, is, uh, he's around. Uh, Howard uh, the Duck. <laughs> Y'all have to agree on it, so you have to give me one solid answer. You got... Was it like a, a Toad Man or something like that? Yeah, maybe it's All right, eight, seven. Oh, you got five seconds to come up with it. Once this timer's up, you got to give me a full answer. All right, guys, time's up. What do y'all want to accumulatively agree on? Um, um, I don't know. God damn, I can't. I'm trying to cheat and I can't even find the answer. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I think yeah. he finally stumped us on this one. Y'all give up? Yeah. Glob. Glob. Yep. Mm. Oh, oh okay. he's in the yep. new X Men. But he came out in 1969. Was his first appearance, technically. Whoa. Really? He's that pink thing. Yeah. I was like the skeleton. skeleton. But I'm gonna show you the yeah. picture of what he looked like in 1969. That orange guy there looks a lot like Swamp Thing. Uh huh. Looks a lot yeah. like Man Thing. Yeah, yeah. That's glob. How did he go from man thing to a pink gelatin substance with a skeleton? Because this glob, the glob we know now, is the third called Glob Herman. Even though it all just it kept changing over huh. time. So y'all are three and one right now. Cool. Okay. Well, I was I was close. I think we should get half a point for man thing because that <laughs> you don't looks get half a, point a lot like man. It's like done. calling looks Flash lot, Quicksilver. That looks a lot Come like on, man now. thing. Hey, no, that's DC, Marvel, hello, we know the difference. Yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> Man, thing. Okay, Marvel. so, moving on, guys, okay? Let's see here, we're flipping the page. Ooh, that one's... Mm. All right, let's do this. Okay, guys, so let me explain this, and then y'all are going to have to guess. This is an X-Men character, okay? He has a continuation of himself. Um, Jamie Madrox. Y'all can agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Really? His superpowers are super strength and stamina, and can run at thirty-five miles per hour for long periods of time. Wow. He has leathery skin that protects him from harm. His first appearance was in nineteen seventy-five. Okay. Uh, let me start the, the timer now. Y'all have a minute to figure this is out. This a, is this a D-list X-Men character? No. no, there's a continuation of this character. It's just a slightly different name. Hmm. Once we get to the 10-second mark, mm. I may give y'all another hint if you cannot figure this out at all. Might want to try it like the 30 okay. second mark. This character is dead currently. <laughs> Ooh. Skin. Nope. No. Y'all gotta agree on this. What something y'all have to agree on. You got 18 seconds, 17 to come up with an answer. No, he appeared too late. He's an Indian. Thunderbird. There you Warpath. go. Thunderbird. Red Skull got it. Wow. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Indian. That gave it away. All right. So, y'all are four and one now. Okay. Let's see what we got up next here. I didn't realize he had the leathery <laughs> skin. That's what it said. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I guess I guess for an Indian, he's been out in the sun too long. <laughs> I didn't know he could run. All right. That's crazy. He's faster than Usain Bolt. All right, this is a good one. And I think that uh, this one will wrap it up. Okay? All, All right. right. And if y'all, I hope y'all get this one. Okay. So, this character is from the New York area. Okay? That yep. narrows it down. Yeah, that's Marvel okay. Universe. <laughs> it's all the whole He's a criminal yeah. mastermind. Okay? He is a genius but he also has 
mind control of sorts in certain in certain aspects. Okay? He once died. Alright, starting the timer now. <laughs> Kingpin doesn't have mind control. No, he doesn't. He said he was a... The I don't know he said he was a villain? That's he what it sounds like. Overlord or so? Master criminal or mastermind. Criminal mastermind. Criminal mastermind, so it's definitely a villain. We're at the uh, 30 second mark about to come up. Uh, Norman Osborne, could it be? Yeah, I don't know, I can't think of anybody that has. Norman Osborne have mind control powers at all? Not that I've ever read, but I'm not super. The only thing that comes to mind is there's somebody that I think was like fighting with the daredevil. Hmm. About the purple man. Yep, that's the only one I can think of with mind control powers is purple man. Or with Jessica yeah, Jones. All right, guys. Yeah, that's purple Time's man. Time's up. Yeah, what yeah. are y'all agreeing all right, on? It looks like we all think purple. We all th- were thinking purple man. It kills. Is that y'all's final answer, purple yeah. man? Yeah. You guys are wrong. Okay. Womp womp. You're gonna sit here and be like, "What the hell?" Is it somebody? Is it somebody with the name no. Kill on the no. end of it, or something like that? Doctor Octopus. All right. What? Oh, mind control. I guess I don't read Spidey enough. Since, yeah. His arms can be cut off, Doc, and in certain issues, he can still control them with his mind. That's not mind, <laughs> That's not mind, mind control. He controls the metal arms with his mind. I, I, okay. That was an I'm impossible man Black move right that. there. That was yeah. an impossible man move. He just tricked us. It says it here in the Marvel yeah, Encyclopedia, mind control. Fair so, enough. Listen up here, Mark Hamill, <laughs> you little That's trickster, funny. you. <laughs> Speaking of which, I saw the funniest YouTube today. Somebody redid Star Wars Episode Six at the end of it with Mark Hamill uh, voiceover for the Emperor. <laughs> it was it was so well done. It was hilarious. Oh my god! I have to. I'll have to get find and put it on our Twitter feed. But uh, I haven't seen something put together so well. Yeah, so po- post that like on that our Facebook. While. Yeah. All right. Well, we we still stumped the encyclopedia okay. for the most part. Yeah. So I guess. Uh, it's time to uh, do an interview. Let's do so. it. Folks, it's that time of the show where we talk to a very special uh, person in the industry. Uh, today, we actually have one of mine and Tap's favorite artists um, who's worked with one of my favorite writers, John Ostrander, on uh, multiple occasions. Uh, he's worked on Firestorm, The Spectre, Martian Manhunter, and even did some of uh, Red's favorite, Sergeant Rock, back yeah! in the day. <laughs> uh, welcome, Mr. Tom Mandrake, to the show. Well, thank you. Yes, um, Welcome. For- you know, for people who uh, may not read anything past, or I guess before, was it 2000? Uh, why don't you let people know who uh, who you are, what you've worked on, 
um, what I guess you would claim is your claim to fame? Well, let's see. I guess I started drawing in uh, professionally in 1979, so I've been doing this for a while. Um, Sergeant Rock, the Sergeant Rock backups were actually the first things that I did professionally. Um, and I got the, that work because I went to the Kubert School, and uh, and Joe was sort of giving us backups as a uh, as a way to help us learn, uh, continuing from the Kubert School. So I went from the Kubert School to doing the Sergeant Rock backups, and from there uh, doing uh, background work at DC Comics. Let's see, it's going to, you're going to stretch my memory here by making me go all the way back, but I'll do my best. Um, uh, Spanish Galaxy, um, Swamp Thing. This is my early stuff. Um, my first book with John uh, was with uh, Grimjack, but then before that, I was doing Batman. Um, so if we want to if we want to follow through with the stuff that I was doing with Ostrander, it would, would have been Grimjack, Firestorm, the Spectre, the Martian Manhunter, the Kents. This may be out of order now. Probably is out of order. It gets it gets tough after a while. I've been doing yeah. this for thirty five or thirty six years. Yeah. Um, more recently, I did To How You Ride. That was with Lance Henriksen and Joe Madre. Right now, I'm just finishing up a uh, creator-owned project with John. Once again, we finally got back together again, and we're doing Great. Cross Hallowed Ground. And we did that as a Kickstarter. Um, and as a matter of fact, we're just getting that to the printer, hopefully next week. Uh, and it's been uh, quite, you know, John and I have uh, been working on the, uh, the writer-artist end of things for years and uh but actually producing something and, and uh, you know my wife jan dorisman has been working as the editor on this and more than just editor she helped get the kickstarter together and the whole process of doing a, a, a project start to finish has been an unbelievable um process but we're finally almost there and uh, I'm really proud of this project, and it's been great to work with John again. And I'm so excited to get this out there. Oh, that's awesome. We actually had a, uh, a Facebook uh, fan that asked us that was wanting to know how the Kickstarter was coming along and if you had any updates for it. So that's that's fantastic right. to hear. Well, that's the update. I think, I think Perfect. it's taken long to get the uh, – it's been fin the artwork has been finished for a couple of months and then we've been slogging through the process of what happens what happens when you get the writing and the artwork done and then you say okay now someone we have to <laughs> get this artwork and this writing put together and sent to the printer well that was the hard learning curve for us but we're i think we're there i feel like i'm cursing myself because <laughs> we keep going back and saying oh made a mistake fix that oh another mistake fix that we're knocking on wood here but i think we're there now you and john i mean you've been work you've worked so long together um how did uh how did that relationship start after i finished my first 12 issue run on batman um i guess they were looking for somebody to start a, a run on grimjack and uh, john and i were talking and and uh, I think it. Was, I believe again, 
it's going back a ways, but I, I believe it was John's idea to say, hey, you want to do some work on, uh, on Grim Jack? And, and Tim Truman and I were friends. So, you know, Tim went to the Kubert School as well. And, uh, and actually, Tim and I were neighbors at the time, uh, good friends there as well. And I was like, yeah, that would be fun. So let's try that. So really, it was John's impetus that got me on Grimjack. And I ended up working on that. I think my run on Grimjack was uh, the longest single run on, on the book. Once I got on there, I just stayed there for a long time. And then as we were wrapping that run up, we were like, well, what do you want to do next? And um, I was doing, after uh, Grimjack, I was working on some swamp things for Karen Berger. And uh, I was penciling issues of swamp thing. And, you know, Alfredo was a tremendous inker. So I, I'm, I'm leading this with, I love his inks, but I always wanted to pencil and make my own work. So when, uh, when Karen said, we'd like you to pencil this book on a regular basis, my reaction was, I don't want a regular book where I'm just going to pencil. I want to pencil and eat my own stuff. Um, and she said no, and rightfully so. She, you know, Alfredo was the look for that book. And so I walked out of the office, having turned down Swamp Thing, which might not have been the smartest thing in the world to do, but I did it anyway. Because in the back of my head, Joe Kubert's words were always ringing, pencil and ink your own work. Uh, but... Right after that, Dan Rasper said to me, we want you to, uh, we want to work on Firestorm, and we want you to pencil and ink it. So that's, and, and John was going to write it. So holding off for that project was the right thing to do. You know, sometimes you make a choice like that, and it works out for you. And, that, and that's what happened. You know, we spent a year, I think it was a year on Firestorm. And while we were working on Firestorm, we started to get this idea about working on the Spectrum. We were bouncing ideas back and forth, and and it wasn't, uh, DC didn't come to us with the idea of working on the Spectre. We put together a proposal for the project and went to them with the idea. Uh, you know, they had had a, a Spectre project that didn't, uh, wasn't really commercially successful just before that. They weren't really that interested in it. Um, but we, we pushed for it, and we had Dan Raspler was the editor on the book, and, and he wanted it, so he pushed for it. So... Uh, we got it, and uh, and it went well for us. Yeah, I'm extremely glad. I'm so grateful that that uh, Spectre book was out. It's it's one of the best things I've ever read. Um, and your artwork, especially, matches the Spectre perfectly. The the sort of like the whenever you sort of see the Spectre, and um, oh, I forget his alter ego's name. Corrigan. Trust me, Corrigan. Yeah, that's right. Of course, Corrigan. Whenever you see them, sort of. <laughs> changing there's always this great um fade that you've got it, it's just it's so spectacularly well done and uh the story is great the sort of struggle to realize that um the whole wrath of vengeance isn't the best thing all the time is just so well done and it was i was so glad i stumbled upon it one day yeah trust me tom i gotta hear uh tap and nova talk about <laughs> specter all the time, all the time. yeah their thing. i i stumbled across on the sale and i actually bought the entire run all 62 63 issues i bought the entire run like all in one set um for a birthday present one year and uh i sat down and started reading it uh i wasn't super familiar with the character um, at that point in time, but once I sat down, and started reading it, and I opened up, and like the first three issues in, 
I was just was so enthralled by your artwork that it it blew me away. I was like, this is now like one of my all time favorite artists. Like it is so trippy and surreal and just amazing like where the specter is like overshadowing the gangsters and like i think it's the first or second issue and he has like the neat the syringes coming out of his fingers and things i'm like that's something that i would see out of my nightmares as a child in a freddy krueger movie like this is just it's insane it it blew me away and ever since then i've tried to collect everything i can of yours and uh yeah it's it's phenomenal and the specter is definitely the one that kind of drew me in well thank you um yeah you know it's it was a nice opportunity to tell a story from start to finish too. We knew where we were going with that story. We had, we had a finish right from the start. John and I had talked that out, knew where we wanted to go with it. Um, we may not have known exactly how many issues it was going to take to get there, but we did know what we wanted to accomplish with it. You don't often get that opportunity, at least yeah. at that time. I think it's more common now to have a, uh, a resolution, but, uh, yeah, I can't imagine really unique experience. I, I can't imagine many creative teams being able to pitch, uh, 62 issues and, and keep it going in this day and age. Um, so, I mean, especially for a character like the specter, which seems like, uh, not many people would be too interested in, but you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, was that the same case with Martian Manhunter? You guys had the pitch and just went in. Oh yeah, we we as we were getting off of the Spectre, we were like, well, what do you want to do now? You know, we were thinking about what other character in DC deserves more attention than he than he's received, and oh yeah, uh, who can we delve into and, and fill out? And certainly, John Jones was that character. There was so much to to work with there, and and I think that we could have even done more with him than than uh, than we did. Uh, we I think we could have spent another couple of years working with that character and finding more things. Well, he doesn't have an ongoing series now, so... That's true. <laughs> I can't pitch <laughs> that. I'm surprised. I, I, I'm still yeah. surprised at how uh, little attention that the Martian Manhunter receives. I think he's a really fascinating character. And, I, you know, I saw him come up in the uh, was it Supergirl TV series. Yep. Yeah. And I and I felt that they were they touched a little bit on what we had done, because he's he's sort of um, watching Supergirl from a distance, and it reminded me of that storyline we did where uh, the Martian Manhunter watches Superman grow up in in our Martian Manhunter series. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, there, there's a lot that you know people. I think in general, if they're going to keep using Martian Manhunter in the show, I haven't kept up with it. But uh, there's a lot that they can easily throw in from from your your run on the book. Now, you have this ginormous background in horror, and so much so that you even have your own section at the Kubert School for horror. Now, yeah. you've done all this work, but. Uh, what made you so interested in the horror genre to begin with that you wanted to even do your own creator-owned work with uh, Creep and everything? Well, I've always loved horror comics and horror movies to begin with, and I've always kind of felt like I, I missed something. You know, when I started in comics in uh, 79 and 80, there was no horror market to speak of. 
um, I would have loved the opportunity to say to get into Warren Comics, for instance, or or EC Comics, but that really didn't exist. But I would have loved to have had that opportunity. Th that opportunity exists now in the uh, creator-owned market. You know, you can do what you want as long as you can find enough people to back it. Certainly, cross hallowed ground is covering that kind of ground because the the basis or the basic idea there is that we're doing a story that takes place during the Civil War. It's Civil War and vampires. You know, it's anything that we want to do, we can do as long as we find enough people who are interested in an Ostrander Mandrake project. And fortunately, there were enough people who were willing to say, "Yeah, whatever you guys want to do, we'll we'll follow along." Uh, you know, I, when I found out that, for instance, Titan uh, was doing, was teaming up with Hammer to do uh, horror comics, not based on the old Hammer movies, but um, as soon as I found out that they were working together, I actually just got in touch with them and said, guys, if you're doing that, I want to do some covers. And they said, sure. I would love to do more horror comics. Um, my dad was a big horror movie fan, so... I'm sure, you know, that was part of the influence on me. I've been watching monster movies since I was a little kid. Very cool. Now, it's it's kind of cool. I mean, like, nowadays, I feel like there's not a whole lot of horror comics, but I'm actually, like, into old, like, Tales from the Crypt. I like Tales from the Dark Side by Joe Hill that he just put out. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's like a genre that I would really like to see expanded on. And I kind of, you kind of see it with like devil's do nowadays. I mean, they have um, a Lord of Gore and some other things, but uh, it's just something that, you know, it's cool that you're teaching it and that hopefully that means that, you know, it's going to continue to live on. I hope so. Um, in fact, among the, the many things, there, there are so many projects that I want to do, you know, um, mm -hmm. but one of the things one of the things I'd like to do next is uh, write a few projects of my own that are going to be specifically horror projects and, and try to hit those kind of notes, you know, that are very specifically horror related. Um, I was talking to Pete Tomasi, uh, who was our editor for uh, most of the Spectre run and from Martian Manhunter. And he said, you should write your own stuff. And Jan has said that to me many times too. Both of them said, you've got great ideas, so uh, it's something that I want to do. So along with, you know, hopefully working with John some more and finding some other new projects, um, I'd, I'd like to write some horror projects as well. So it's one of the things that I want to pursue, and, and I'd like to see Stay Alive. I love horror comics, and I wanna, I'd like to get into the forefront of doing some of that kind of stuff as well. Well, speaking of some of your um, projects you, that you enjoy doing, uh, crypto uh, zoology was uh, crypto zoo. Crypto zoo, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I did like three little strips of that. Yeah, so, years ago, and it's like, and it, you know, it's it's funny because um, uh, cross was something that we started in 2004, and just ten years later, actually now it's more than that. Uh, just recently, we're finally getting it done. Um, and CryptoZoo is another one that's laying there. So that might be one of the ones that I finally resurrect and, and bring back to life. So it's it's one of those projects that uh, is on my list of things to do. Oh, well, let's hope so. We'd like to find out what's going on with the Loch Ness in that. 
you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I, I did a Kickstarter. John and I did this Kickstarter. And as I say, Jen was instrumental in making that happen for, uh, for Cross Hallowed Ground. And then Jen did a Kickstarter for her new project. Um, but it seems like there's so many avenues to create, uh, to do creator-owned projects now. And, I, and I'd like to try and figure out how to make them happen. I, I did a few years back, I did Creeps with uh, Dan Mishkin, and we did that through Image Comics. Uh, but if you want to do things that you might consider to be not mainstream, it seems like there are so many more options now than there were 10 years ago. When, you know, I, I put that first little short run of CryptoZoo up, and I thought, well, this would be kind of fun, but I have no idea how I'm going to fund it. And so it just sat there, but now it seems like there's all these options and, and all you need is the time to figure out how to make it happen. The learning curve. Oh my God. On, uh, on our first Kickstarter was unbelievable. You know, you, you, you jump into these things. You know, we, we've worked in comics for 30 plus years and we started Kickstarter and we're like, wow, we don't know anything. And we took off on it and, and just learning one thing after another, each thing that you do, it's straight up. The learning curve is straight up. So we feel like rookies all over again. And um, has the success of this first one sort of made you guys think, well, you know, maybe we could do a few more of these? Well, we did because, you know, once uh, once we got the, the cross one and it off the ground and, and it went well, and, of course, as I say, we, you know, we, we're – a couple of days away from getting it to the printer, but I feel that it's, you know, in essence, it has succeeded. And I think people are really going to like it now that I've finally seen the, uh, the project in its final form. It's funny how a major project like this, you, you get 130 pages inked and colored. Your initial reaction is, I never want to see this again. I mean, that's how you react to anything. You <laughs> project that you've finished. I think that's normal. And then you walk away from it and uh, for a month or so while you're doing, while you're waiting for it to be uh, lettered and stuff. And you come back to it and go, oh, this is pretty good. I could do this again. <laughs> and that's where I am now. I'm looking at it and going, this is pretty good. I feel pretty good about this. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think there might be other ways of making this happen. I see people who create projects through, uh, what is it, Patreon. Um, yep. Or, as I say, I did uh, creeps through uh, through image, and um, there just seems to be all kinds of avenues to make things happen now. And I and like to keep, I'd like to keep exploring and, and keep expanding my knowledge of of how to create comics. There's just a lot of new options, and I and I want to keep moving along with the industry. I don't want to fall behind. Um, speaking of keeping up with the industry, I assume you were a classic pencil and paper kind of guy now that everything's sort of moving slowly for some people to the digital uh, spectrum of artwork are you also uh, a digital artist now or do you still prefer the uh the, the paper under your pencil well uh, of, of all the aspects of uh, of comics that are changing i think i'm just going to live and die a uh, paper pen and ink kind of guy <laughs> you know yeah. uh, and for a couple of reasons. One, it took me a long time to learn how to do this, and I really enjoy the process. I, I like the feel of the brush in my hand, and I 
I like the, the smell and the texture of the whole process. Um, but also, you know, there is a secondary market for originals and things that I can't imagine why I would want to give that up. Um, people want to own those originals, you know, and I mean, I don't like to sell everything. But some, some originals are your babies and you never want to give them up. Um, like I, I own all the, not all of them, I own many of the original Spectre covers that I did. Oh, man. <laughs> and the chances of me selling them are, are pretty low. I mean, I, I would never say never because somebody might offer me a mansion and a yacht, and then I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but those, to me, have they have a lot of meaning. And uh, I, I can't imagine doing that digitally and just not having the artwork. Now, recently, people have started asking me to do, like, cover reproductions and things of those, which is a, a challenging way of doing artwork where you have to reproduce something that you did 25 years ago. Um, I had no idea how hard that was <laughs> until I had to redraw all those skulls. And I was like, wow, I was nuts. When I <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of skulls. <laughs> you know, the hardest part of it is... Uh, if somebody wants you to do like a cover reproduction, some, and I just did one for the uh, Spectre number one cover, and I'm sitting there redrawing it, and the hardest part was not correcting my original mistake. So if I, I'm going through and going, oh, I could do that one better. No, nope, don't do it. Just do the same thing you did before. Don't mm -hmm. change it. <laughs> there's, there's always an urge to want to make things better. You know, if you see a mistake, you want to correct it. Yeah. I mean, especially because you would have grown so much over, you know, 25 years as well. Yeah. Um, so do you do commissions and things like that for people or only at cons? And how often do you do cons if so? I try to keep the cons back to maybe two a year. Um, and uh, relatively local if possible. Uh, this year, let's see, we did uh, two cons. I live in New Jersey, so I did two local New Jersey cons. Uh, we used to do... Years ago, we would do San Diego and Chicago every year. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, you know, so let's say you're going to do San Diego. You have to prepare for for a week. And then you go and you do it, and that's a week. And then a week later, you're still exhausted. So, you know, it's a month. Um, now, if, if I'm doing a big project for a company and they say, well, we're going to send you and we're going to pay for it, and okay, that's one thing. Um, but if you're doing... Um, doing it on your own dime, that's an expensive proposition. And so we have to take that into consideration. So if I'm just doing cons on my own, I have to be pretty circumspect about how I handle that situation. So uh, sometimes we'll go up to Connecticut and, uh, and there's a, uh, there's a nice con that we do up there on occasion. So I, I try to keep it, you know, scaled back. Okay. Do you do commissions at all then for those that maybe aren't able to make it to the New Jersey area? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then try to... they can just go to your website, right? Yeah, and uh, my website is is uh, kind of a mess right now. Uh, I've got a, a decent one set up for Cross, um, but I'm and I'm trying to get a personal website set up right now um, where I have like actual prices and things set up. But right now, people usually just contact me through Facebook and stuff, and I oh there you go, and I handle it that way. Trying to update all my stuff and. Uh, my son's actually really good at designing websites and things and 
Yeah, trying to trying to keep up. <laughs> well, one of these days you will be getting a message from me asking for a sketch because I just I I one of these days I got to figure out a way to do it and I'm I'm gonna make it happen. I have to. It'll be my first ever like real sketch like commission too. And I was like I before I die I have to get a commission from Tom Mandrake. So <laughs> I think you're in, you're in more danger of me dying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's hope we both I, I got, got some years left. I, um, I have uh, three sketches that I usually do at cons. It's, it's almost always number one is Spectre, number two is Batman, number three is Martian Manhunter, and then after that, it's a, a random number of things. Captain Marvel surprisingly comes in as number four generally. Oh wow! I would want a, I would want a Sergeant Rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I kept most of the Sergeant Rock work that I did, and. Um, you know, Joe would rework a great deal of the stuff that we did, and I'm so glad I kept those because he would. He's very particular about the way Rock looked, and if he didn't like what you did, he would just redraw it and, and <laughs> just it. And his drawing right over top of yours. So I have these great uh, Joe Kubert originals slapped down over my <laughs> Sergeant Rock. It's like, oh, this this is great. <laughs> oh, you should you should put some of those up side by side so we can see the difference between them. Yeah, I I can't uh, I can't do a side by side comparison because my artwork was is actually underneath the rubber cement and uh, the Kubert original, so I'd have to actually destroy his artwork in order to show mine. So I'm not going to be doing that. We'll just have to look at his and and ignore my crummy artwork underneath it. Is any of that original artwork for sale? <laughs> I'm keeping those Kubert originals. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you at all. So you teach at the Kubert School now. Um, what's that like, having gone there as a as a student? Well, I, you know, I waited a long time before I went back and actually taught there. Uh, I graduated in '79 uh, and only went back to teach. I believe it was uh, 2011. So there was a, a long stretch uh, between when I was a student and when I was a teacher. However, Kubert students are pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> Even though uh, in, in the interim there, my daughter went to the uh, Kubert school as well. She graduated, I think, the year before I started teaching. And, and she teaches there also. My, uh, my daughter, Sean, teaches at the Kubert School, and uh, Jan teaches there. My wife teaches there also. So this year, uh, I switch around, but this year I'm teaching um, second-year narrative art, and uh, I share that class with Andy Kubert, and I teach third-year uh, sketch and layout. So it's really, it's really interesting and fun. So it's a couple of days a week, and uh, like I say, Kubert students it's kind of like the same guys that I went to school with and very very much uh, the same kind of attitudes and the same people wanting to do the same kind of stuff that I did. It's a different perspective for me, of course, but uh, I understand what they want and their impatience and their desire to move faster than they can right now. Yeah. Do you ever just want to yell and say, Hey guys, learn <laughs> from what my mistakes. So this is what I know. Listen. <laughs> well, I think uh, sometimes Andy and I are standing there and we, and we look at each other and we sort of understand <laughs> what Joe was thinking when he gave that look and, and just sort of rubbed <laughs> the back of his neck and, and sighed. And now, we've, now we're on the other side of that. 
Yeah, so they'll chuckle to each other now. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you um have you seen any students that you may have taught sort of either come back or you've maybe noticed their name in the industry once they graduated? Well, let's see. Since I've only been teaching for three or four years now, um, I'm just starting to see them starting to make inroads now. So uh, this year, I think Minkyu uh, is starting to work for DC. Um, but I think in the next couple of years, we'll start seeing them um, making an impact. So the first graduating class that I worked with is, is now just starting to uh, work professionally. Okay. Well, that'll be uh, interesting to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them make their way into the world here. It's been fun working with my daughter uh, after she graduated. She's been doing a lot of coloring. In fact, she colored cross uh, for me, and she's been coloring a lot of the covers that I've been doing as well. Very cool. You get to develop that uh, that bond I mean, you're sharing something that you love, and I'm sure she loves too. Well, she's, uh, through no no small effort on my part, she's a huge horror movie fan too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, but she understands what I'm looking for in terms of being a color work. So it's pretty easy for me to say, you know, if, if I'm looking for a particular thing, if I say, well, this is, this is more like... Uh, a hammer movie. So I'm looking for hammer blood here, or this is more like a universal black and white movie, or this is, you know, I want something like the thing, John Carpenter's not the original. She knows what I'm talking about. And we have a very easy working relationship in that way. So she gets it. It's very, uh, very comfortable. And her color sense is exactly what I'm looking for in a colorist. So it's great. Okay. So you've brought up horror movies now at least two or three times. I want to know what's Tom Mandrake's top three horror movie suggestions. <laughs> top three horror movie suggestions. Well, Bride of Frankenstein would have to be right there. Okay. Um, just in terms of understanding how to work in black and white, I don't think you could go wrong by watching that movie uh, as many times. I've probably watched that movie a thousand times. Um, so we'll start there. Okay. I'm, I'm going to pick a John Carpenter movie because I love John's stuff. And, and maybe, maybe we could go with the thing because I, I just good watched choice. that again the other day. It's a really good choice. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's one of my faves. So. Yeah. And you know, I love Howard Hawks original movie version like. thing as well. I think that's an excellent movie. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that everybody at this point would understand it is. And, and also, you know, the, the special effects are, are dated in some ways, but it's still a brilliant movie. But John Carpenter is at this point, I think has become the definitive version of that story. How can you forget the uh, giant extended neck? And it's just like, ah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you'd have to have a vampire movie in there. Okay. And then, then that becomes tough because, would you go with Nosferatu, Bela Lugosi, and Dracula? I'm, I'd have to go, just because it's a personal favorite, I would probably go with uh, Bela Lugosi and Dracula. Although I don't think it's necessarily the greatest movie. I just think that he deserves the uh, the nod. 
For sure. I mean, I mean, beyond that, he, just the amount of things he's done is ridiculous. Yeah, and never got the, except for that one time, he never got the credit that he deserved. I think he's a better actor than people realize, not just there, but in other movies like Island of Lost Souls, where he just blows the doors off in that role. And it's, it's really kind of a secondary role, but he brings so much to it. I mean, I should follow that question up with, uh, you know, growing up or maybe in modern times, who, um, who would you say are your top three, I guess, influential or, um, artists that you, you tend to follow and, and love to just look at their artwork currently, um, or at any time. At any time, yeah. If you've got like a, you know, if you just want to name the Kubert family and go from there, that's fine as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Joe is a huge influence on me um, for obvious reasons. Uh, going, to, going to the Kubert school and, and as a storyteller, I don't think that, um, I don't think you can beat Joe as a storyteller. And, and Andy and I have had this discussion many times about how, there, there were things that, that Joe said that didn't sink in for 10 years. And then later, and all of a sudden I would slap myself and head, oh, that's what he meant. And it, it seemed so simplistic at the time, but it, it took me years to really understand what he was telling me. Um, and, and in that respect, Joe comes in kind of as number one for me as an influence. Um, but in terms of other artists whose work I constantly go back and look at um, in terms of storytelling, Alex Toth is, is another one. And it's a completely different style. Um, but again, a huge influence on uh, how I look at things. I, you know, when you look at my stuff, you don't see Toth. And, and I'm aware of that. Um, but nonetheless, it's a huge influence on me. But then when you get past just the storytelling aspect of it, then you have to think about people in terms of um, art styles. Um, and, and then you start talking about inking. I've got this uh, huge book of uh, Charles Danny Gibson. And, and I love the old school inkers, you know, guys like Gibson and uh, the early 20th century illustrators. And, and I look at them a lot and, uh, and I love their work and, and that's kind of a that's more a school than an individual. And if you if you look at their work, you you can see their influence in a lot of the uh, uh, the Filipino artists, including even the, the more um, unique artists like Alex Nino. Um, and again, you don't. It's not like you're going to look at my work and Alex Nino's work and say, "Oh yeah, look at there's a direct line there." But yeah. uh, but guys like uh, all the guys that worked in the Warren books, like uh, Angelo Torres and uh, Jack Davis and, and Al Williamson, they were huge influences on me. But see, there's there's no way I can really answer this because it gets very convoluted very quickly. But I was also a huge Jack Kirby fan, and still am. I look at Kirby stuff, and I'm a, it means a tremendous amount to me. I love I love Kirby stuff. But I don't think anybody would say, "Wow, you look like you you're heavily influenced by Kirby." Um, but uh, when I was uh, when I was growing up, I was a big Marvel fan in the in the '60s, and uh, uh, now this influence, I'm sure everybody sees. I'm a big Gene Colan fan. I loved his uh, 
Doctor Strange and uh, Dracula books. That, that was uh, really. In fact, I still have a, a long box. It's uh, relatively accessible of uh, the uh, Doctor Strange and uh, Dracula stuff. And every once in a while, I pull those out and look at them. And I think that's probably a more obvious influence on me as far as what other people see in my work. Yeah, I mean, it. You know, it, it's safe to say that most most artists looked at Jack Kirby and said, "This is, you know, this is something that I think." everyone wants to try and attain um and yeah look at gene colin definitely that's that's the you can see that sort of the similarity between your style and his um but yeah i mean that's that's a great list of uh inspirations there yeah inspiration is a funny thing because you're you're inspired not just by people whose work you love but even by people whose work you may not like as much yeah if you see something you don't like, you're inspired not to do that as well. Yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why in the '90s you weren't doing what most people were doing in the '90s. Pouches well, and oversized muscles. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I felt like I was doing my own thing and I was going to stick with it. Yeah, and it stands the test of time. Yeah, it really does. So last question here for you for the evening. Um, and I don't even know if this is something that you guys really, if you guys are ever aware of when this is going to happen, but is there any chance Nova and I are both uh hardcover omnibus type collectors, any chance of a Martian manhunter or a specter omnibus that you're aware of? Well, nobody's talked to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't even been able to get a uh, a complete run of the Spectre wrapped up. In yeah, the, I noticed. There's only two volumes yeah. out. Yeah. I have the whole run in, in regular format, so I'm happy with that. But yeah, I was... And I, and I have to admit that I'm somewhat disappointed because to me that yeah. Spectre run, because it's a, you know it's a closed-end story, it seems like such an obvious one to put into uh, a graphic novel series. I don't understand why it's not being yeah. done. But, yeah, uh, it's it's amazing too. I, I guess you'd have to ask somebody up at DC about that. All right, we'll, we'll uh, do. <laughs> if if he's ever set to make an appearance in a movie, I'm sure that'll be the time they trickle yeah. one out. I sure hope so. I think I I feel that that material stands the test of time. I think it's a good solid yeah. story. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. One of my favorites, and it, it like I said, blew me away the first time I ever read it, and I. I just couldn't believe it. Like the art and what was had the story and the art and everything was just absolutely amazing. Blew my mind. So for that, thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know it made the specter mine, one of mine and taps favorite characters as well. Yes, it did. That run was, really, it's just historical. Really it's amazing. He's a great character and I still love drawing him. And, and when I get commissions, as often as not, people request the Spectre, and I still just, I just love drawing him. He's he's fun, you know. He's a he's a fascinating character. So if I ask you for a commission for the for the Spectre, you're not going to hate me for <laughs> drawing the Spectre. <laughs> I usually try like if I ever do commission, I, I want to you know make it unique. But the Spectre is just so awesome and iconic. So that's that's good to know because I would have felt bad if you're like oh, another Spectre. You know, I get it. <laughs> I, I would have felt bad. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine ever feeling that way about a character that's meant you know so much to my career and so much to me and uh and i i understand him you know um, john and i spent a lot of time talking about jim corrigan and we both 
the specter blossomed out of that character, and there's a little bit of both of us in that creation. I mean, he wasn't Corrigan and the specter weren't wasn't our creation, but the version that we made is definitely part of both of us. Yeah, that was I can I can see that. So. All right. Well, Tom, thank you very, very much for coming on and, and letting us, you know, chat with you for a while and, and pick your brain. It was truly an honor. Like I said, you're Nova said at the beginning, you are one of mine and his all time favorite artists. So it was a, a huge geek moment for us to be able yeah. to, uh, to talk with you. That was fun. I'm glad you guys uh, called me. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you very much. If you ever want to come back on, by all means, let us know. We'll be more than happy to have Feel you on. If you ever have anything you want to promote or, or anything yeah. like that, let us know. Yeah. Well, if I can if I can get CryptoZoo or one of my other projects taken off here, then I will definitely uh, get in touch with you guys, and we'll talk about that. Oh, sounds great. Sounds awesome. All right. 